This Bible study is entitled, The Magi and Their Message. Gordon is reading from Matthew, chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born, being born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let me start with some don't knows. And then I'll look at a couple of the legends surrounding them. It seems almost amazing that this one little section has given rise to numerous different legends. But we don't know their names. We don't know the number. We don't know their nationality. We can guess, but we don't know. Stemming from this, the, uh, the legends are galore. For example, uh, we think of three. Originally, when people looked, uh, talked about it, they talked about 12 Magi coming, uh, which of course fits in with biblical numerology. Uh, but we need to look at these people and we'll mention the, some of the legends as we go through. There were men who were skilled in philosophy, medicine, natural sciences, soothsaying. Now, a soothsayer was a posh word for a prophet or seer. They were interpreters of dreams. And of course, that immediately brings to mind uh, Joseph, not Mary's husband, but Joseph, the son of Jacob, and more especially, Daniel. Where was Daniel interpreting visions? and dreams. Now, in those days, the way past, most people believed in astrology, not astronomy, astrology. Look, you can't, it's almost the same today, you can't pick up a newspaper without your star signs in. But they did also do astronomy as well. They were very talented, very gifted. Uh, and one of the legends is that they were part of the Zerestian uh, priesthood, which is a peculiar religious group that was in that area at the time. And somebody described them as the priests, that they would be holy men. And we have to put holy in inverted commas here. But they did study the movement of the stars and they could, they, hence they would be looking at the sky and hence they would see this particular star. Now, some of the legends, some say, give them names, Caspar, Melchior, and Balshathasar. Now, let me say, these are purely fictional. Nowhere in secular history or the word of God are we given the number or the names of these people, and for a good reason, I believe. 
where their nationality is concerned, some say they came from Arabia, but that basically is south of Israel. Another place to mention is north of Israel. You kind of go west, of course, because then you get your feet wet because you'll be in the Mediterranean Sea. But east is a very famous country, Persia. Linked with Persia, as they conquered the Babylonian Empire, is Babylon. That's where Daniel ministered. You'll be well, well aware of that. There is this possibility, because it's the language of that area, that these wise men, or magi, were from Babylon. It's uh, open to debate. There's a problem when we look at this, that uh, some people think it took them two years to get from Babylon to Jerusalem. Well, let's make an assumption. Let's say they came by camel. If they came by camel, a camel, generally speaking, can cover anywhere from 80 to 120 miles in a day. With a rider, obviously they would have to rest overnight a little bit. Uh, and the distance between Babylon and Bethlehem is less than 900 miles. So you're probably looking as a maximum, something like about 12 to 14 days to make that journey. Now that raises other questions on timing, but I'm going to leave them for you to think about. When they came, they brought gifts. Gold, myrrh, and frankincense. Now, just slightly out of the usual route. Gold, of course, is for it indicates kingship. Myrrh. Now, it's an interesting uh, herb or plant. It has two particular uses. You remember in the Old Testament they had a special incense that they burnt before the curtain in the tabernacle and in the temple. And it was made up of secret, so-called secret ingredients. Well, we knew what the ingredients were. What we didn't know was the quantity. But myrrh was a part of that incense. And so it would be linked, perhaps, with worship. Or the other side is it was linked with death. It was used as an embalming agent. So they had this two-fold there. And the frankincense, which was the major part of the incense, would definitely be linked with worship. Symbolically, we can apply them. And I'll leave people to look at it symbolically. What I would say under the circumstances and situation of the birth of Christ and what um, happened immediately after these men visited, they would have needed the finance from these things in Egypt. So it was very practical. And that's always a good lesson when we're thinking of giving. 
practicality. What can we say then? Well, they undertook this journey looking for something rather unique. Usually, if you have a king and a queen and they have a child, that child, if it's male, is a prince. He's born a prince. He remains a prince until he ascends the throne. But they came for one, looking for one, who was born king. And that makes this quite special. They were prepared to leave their homes and come. It was a longish journey. It was difficult. It was dangerous. Even if there'd only been three magi, there would have been a party of others with them as guards to guard against robbery and murder. It was a difficult place to area to live and to travel in. It was dangerous. And yet, they were prepared to take that risk, to come to meet the king, the one who was born king. Somebody once put it, having made the journey, they came to the termination. But at one point, and this is again is a vital lesson, particularly for Christians, is that as they were journeying, and I don't know, sometimes it's a puzzle, but they were the ones in the east, not the star. They saw the stuff when they were in the east and they followed it west. At some point, they took their eyes off the star. We know that because where did they end up in? Not Bethlehem, but Jerusalem. And what did they find in Jerusalem? They found a king, one of the most wicked men that's ever lived. He even had his own wives murdered and his children murdered. He was a villain. And he found priests who knew the truth, but who weren't interested in the truth. You'd have thought the priests, the, the Jews, when they heard that the, the possible Messiah, they'd be rushing for it. And they weren't interested. This is one of the problems when we lose, take our eyes off the light of the world, we find ourselves in company that is not beneficial spiritually. Starlight, I got my word there was starlight. We need to always as Christians keep our eyes on the light, who is Jesus of course. And when they came and they got to Bethlehem, they worshiped him. Now, interestingly, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when they get to where the child was, all they saw was Mary and the child, no Joseph. Of course, he could have been out getting the shopping in, we don't know, but he wasn't there when they arrived. As they came and worshipped, they showed certain qualities that are important in the Christian life. First of all, they had great faith. Just look at it. They had come looking for a king. And where were they? In a poor village? Parents who probably hadn't two, as we would say, two pennies to rub together? 
There was nothing great, nor palace, nor splendor. And yet, despite that, they recognized Jesus as this one who was born king and bowed and worshipped him. They showed humility. Notice where it says in the Bible he, they fell at his feet. And there's a hymn that expresses that sentiment admirably. And of course they had great generosity. They bring their gifts. And uh, what rich gifts there were. We cannot fathom out the value. What I did discover that uh, myrrh was a very valuable commodity. And frankincense was too. So what they give gave really as an act of devotion was something that cost. And I, when I think of that, I'm always remembered something David said. He would offer nothing to the Lord that was given. It had to come from him. He had to pay for that. If it was from him, it had to be from him, in other words. And that's a good thing to learn. God doesn't expect us to give anything somebody else has. He expects us to, first of all, give ourselves and then give what we have. I would be always impressed when I would read the New Testament on Paul talking about these uh, Christians who gave so generously. And his comment was this. They first gave themselves. They first gave themselves. And that's, an, from a Christian point of view, is an important lesson to learn. But if you remember, I'd posed the, que the question about the message to humanity. And with a, just a couple of statements, I will finish. The message from the Magi to humanity in general is this. No matter what the circumstances, Jesus needs to be worshipped. He must be worshipped because he is greater than any other person. For he is God. This season will have people singing the carols. The, I often quote this as a verse in the Psalms which says, I have become the drunkard song. And they will sing these without any understanding of this great truth. And the message is in the words. Every time I sing some of these, some of the carols, I'm amazed that people can sing that and not bow the knee in worship. He is worthy of all our worship and adoration. Now, I need to clarify a little bit on worship, and then I'll open up. Worship is not singing songs. Churches have worship leaders, what they are, song leaders. Worship is total devotion to God. If you want to know what worship is, read Romans 
chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It talks there about a reasonable act of worship. The word reasonable is the Greek word from which we get the word logic. In view of all that Paul has expressed of the love of God in that his son came and died for us, in view of all that, the logic is we worship. And how do we worship? By putting our lives on the altar. Not sing songs, that can be a part of it, but it's our lives on the altar, which is the logical act of worship. In other words, we should be such as Christians that everything we are and have are his to use as he sees fit. This should move over to ordinary people and we should express that truth. He's not to be mocked. He's not to be taken lightly. He shouldn't be the drunkard song. And the message is to the world around us. Jesus is God and should be honoured and worshipped as such. That's what the Magi bring. That was Gordon Stoves on behalf of Gospel Outreach International in December 2020. Part of the Christmas Greetings series. We hope you have enjoyed this Bible study and if you wish to join us for other online Bible studies, please feel free to contact us via goi.org.uk. You're welcome to share this Bible study teaching freely as you wish, but please don't modify it or change it without express permission.